Hi, Bother Brigade. Here's what's bothering me today. In the wake of the Ontario election, which a great many people were unhappy with, there has now been talk about if it's maybe a good idea to bring mandatory voting here to Canada. It seemed that account after account was talking about making mandatory voting a thing here, at the very least in Ontario, but also maybe, you know, broad strokes Canada as well, just for good measure, right? Hell, even the former Liberal MP and Minister for the Environment, Catherine McKenna, got in on the action. So let's actually talk about this idea, at least, you know, at first. I'm not going to tell people one way or the other if it's a good or bad thing. We're just going to kind of go through some things. So the main example people like to use when it comes to mandatory voting is Australia. Mandatory voting has been in place in Australia since 1924. Works well. Parties must appeal to all voters, not just minority target segment. Works in many other countries and is supported by a majority of Canadians. Like paying taxes, this should be an obligation of citizenship. Here's the problem and we are going to come back to that. But keep this question in mind for now. When it comes to democracy and the issue of voting, is it better for a democracy to have to be compelled to vote rather than having the opportunity and the freedom to abstain from it. And we're going to come back to that. First, though, we got to kind of talk about the land down under and all the notions about Australian mandatory voting, which, again, seems like, okay, sure, they've never had a turnout lower than 90%. Surely there's nothing wrong with the system, right? Well, I hear a lot of progressive Ontarians naively calling for mandatory voting like it's heaven's own. Australia and Brazil have it, and what did they get? Morrison and Bolsonaro. Yeah, that's kind of a problem. And before there was Scott Morrison, there was Malcolm Turnbull, and before him there was Tony Abbott. So uh, the other aspect about Australia, right, is on top of having, you know, mandatory voting, they also have a ranked ballot system for their House of Commons, and then they have proportional representation for their Senate. And I'm pretty sure election days are kind of like a big whole cultural affair down there, as opposed to ours, which was seen as more of a chore, right? So there's a different kind of culture there, but the problems also don't stop there. Turkey has mandatory voting, and they got 20 years of Erdogan. Mandatory voting is not the panacea some progressive Ontarians think it is. And even people in Australia have tried to call attention to this, because if you don't vote in Australia, you have to pay a fine. And any kind of punishment that is a fine is inherently a class-based punishment system that disproportionately punishes the poor and the disadvantaged. Longtime political insider and commentator Paula Mathewson, who makes a conscious decision not to vote and pays the fine instead, says the problem goes beyond young voters. The idea that high voter turnout based on compulsory voting translates into a politically engaged electorate is nonsensical. If we move to a voluntary system with the level of disenchantment and disengaged voters we have now, no one would vote, she said. So yeah, this kind of brings us back to the question I asked y'all earlier about whether it is better or more beneficial to be compelled to participate in a democracy or to enjoy the freedom to remove oneself from that and to not participate in it. Well, unfortunately, as we see in Australia, even though it's just being, you know, compulsory, that doesn't result automatically, even with all the other bells and whistles of like barbecues and bouncy castles for kids and stuff, that doesn't translate into an engaged and an informed democracy, which is why even with mandatory voting, this resulted in several successive Liberal Party governments in Australia. And keep in mind, the Liberal Party down there is basically the Conservative Party. Labour is the left-wing party down there. 
And so for me, this ultimately comes down to, again, the question of freedom and democracy, but also about what the parties are offering or not offering. As we see in Australia, they actually had problems early on where there were people who by being forced to vote, but didn't really care much for the system and weren't really informed, would just vote for whoever was the first name on the ballot. So mandatory voting doesn't actually solve the inherent problems in the system and the challenges of having an informed democracy. I know people think that mandatory voting would just kind of be a cure-all because, hey, you're at least forcing people to show up, and then if they don't show up, then they have to provide a legitimate reason for why they did, and like, oh, no, we were, you know, in the hospital or something, or a family emergency came up, whatever it might have been, right? But again, as I said before, if the punishment for that is a fine that disproportionately affects the lower classes, the wealthy and the elites don't care because a $200 fine, that's like, you know, a lunch tip for them at some fancy steakhouse somewhere. Just ask Steven Del Duca. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people who are pushing for this, which let's be real here, tend to be Liberal Party of Ontario supporters and Liberal Party supporters in general. They seem to be thinking that this would suddenly you know, by forcing people to vote, automatically that translates into wins for them. But that's not necessarily the case, especially if you haven't actually addressed the fundamental problem of voter apathy and having an informed voting base. At a voting location in Peterborough, lady comes up to Elections Ontario staffer very irate. I want to vote Republican, but there is no Republican on this ballot. EO staffer, we are not USA, no Republican Party in Canada. Lady, but Tucker Carlson said to vote Republican. OMG. And if you're thinking that this is merely a single rogue example, I have some very unfortunate news for you. In 2019, I knocked on someone's door in Ottawa the day before E-Day. He said he thought we were awfully early to be campaigning. When I told him the election was the following day, he said, then why does Trump keep talking about November 2020? That is the former NDP candidate, Emily Tamman, for the riding of Ottawa Centre. Ottawa is the capital of Canada. And yet she knocked on a door of someone in this riding who is thinking only in terms of American elections because they consume, apparently nearly exclusively, American right-wing media. But hey, like I said, there's more than just one or two of these people. Post from 3.30.22. Someone told me today she detests and will not vote for Ford. Also stated she won't vote for Libs, NDP, or Green. I asked, then who are you voting for? She replied, the ONPCs. I told her that's Ford's party. She replied, it is? This is what we're up against. So I believe Peterborough lady could happen. Another post I saw. My own sister asked me how Ford ever got elected. I asked her who she voted for in 2018. She gave me the name of the con who won in her riding. So I told her, you voted for him. She thought Ford Nation was a party. And then another person adding to the unfortunate realization that we have a lot of uninformed voters in this province actually happened to me while working elections eight years ago. Voter became irate when he didn't see Trump on ballot, started shouting at stall, demanding to know why. They walk among us. Yeah, 
sadly they do. So making voting mandatory doesn't address this very serious and dangerous problem where people are genuinely shocked that Americans and their parties aren't on Canadian provincial ballots. So that for me is problem number one with the idea of making voting mandatory somehow solving the problems. Unfortunately, it really doesn't. And then there's other unfortunate problems, which we're going to use the most recent election as our core sample base here. Another very big problem with the idea of mandatory voting not actually addressing the problems is aside from the clearly uninformed voters that we just saw, we also have the problem of parties themselves deliberately misleading voters. For example, days before the election, liberal-friendly Torstar slash Main Street published a wildly inaccurate poll purporting to show a tight three-way race in Beaches East York, with the Tories polling nine points higher and NDP polling nine points lower than the actual results. According to them, the three main parties we care about is that 28% support for Liberals, which is in red, 27% support for the Conservatives in blue, and 24% for the NDP, which is in orange. And then the final result of the election was the Liberal candidate won, with 35% of the vote, the NDP candidate came in a close second place with 33.2% of the vote, and the PC candidate was a distant third with just 18.5% of the vote. So they're clearly trying to pretend to show a tight three-way race when really it was only a two-horse race between Lib and NDP. So why would they want to lie about that? And unfortunately, we're going to get back to that, but in a little bit. We kind of need to continue to show people why mandatory voting doesn't address some very core flaws with how we operate as a democracy here. Another site covering the exact same riding that tries to give people an idea for what strategic vote they should cast in said riding puts this as a liberal vote showing 30% for the PC candidate, 37% for the liberal candidate, and 23% for the NDP candidate. But again, I remind everyone of the actual results. But bothered boy, why are you focusing on one riding? It's only so far on this point to show that there were multiple different sites claiming to show and be fair and balanced about strategic voting that clearly got it very wrong, which is a form of misinformation. And unfortunately, now we get into even more examples of the egregiousness of this. Strategic voting, because of its reliance on astonishingly inaccurate riding-by-riding projection models, curiously mostly skewed towards liberals, Huh, I wonder why. Strategic voting may have helped elect more conservative MPPs, including Doug Ford's nephew. Yeah, turns out a lot of these groups, which tend to support, you know, the liberals, and we're going to, again, come back to that, tend to, you know, not exactly be fair and balanced and open and honest in terms of how the riding may actually go because they want it to actually be the liberal party as the main official opposition rather than the NDP. That's what a lot of this election was about. It was about the uh, NDP hoped to either remain official opposition or better yet, become the government. Liberals wanted to cease being third party and supplant them, which is why there's all that infighting between the two left-wing parties in the province. And so, with this battle plan in mind, the unfortunate results happened in this part of the province. According to this site, for the riding of York South slash Weston, a strategic vote in your riding is a vote for Liberal, citing 45% for the PCs, 27% support for the Libs, and 22% support for the NDP. Even the Liberal candidate herself was sharing some of this misinformation. 
The only strategic vote in York Southwestern is a vote for the Ontario Liberals and for me. And it's a poll showing the PCs at 29.8%, the Libs at 36.4%, and the NDP at 24%. You want to guess how the voting turned out? Michael Ford, Doug Ford's nephew, was elected with over 11,000 votes, translating to 36.6% of the total vote. Faisal Hassan of the NDP came very close in second with over 10,000 votes, sharing 34% of the vote share. And then Nadia Guerrera, who claimed to be the strategic vote, netted just over 7,000 votes, which is just over 24% of the vote share. So incorrect information from a strategic voting site, along with even more blatant misinformation shared by the liberal candidate in that riding, meant that Doug Ford's nephew got elected because I guess maybe the idea of the NDP being the strategic vote would have been a little too hard for some liberals to swallow in that riding. And now there's one more PC going to the province. Again, mandatory voting does not address this problem. And sorry folks, but we're not even remotely done here yet. Massive disinformation here by the local liberal campaign. They put out this video by the candidate Andrea Barak, where it's saying that you should elect Andrea Barak on June 2nd in the University Rosedale riding. Apparently, it claims the liberals are pulling away in uni rose, showing them with 45% of the vote, the NDP having only 18%, uh, the Green Party having 8%, and the PCs having 20%. And it was absolutely an NDP curb stomp. Jessica Bell, the NDP candidate, won with over 14,000 votes, translating to 37.8% of the vote share. Andrea Barak came in a distant second with just over 10,000 votes, equating to 27.2%. And the PC candidate barely got under 7,000 votes, netting 17% of the share. And it wasn't just in Toronto and the GTA or the 905, right? This stuff was also being blatantly pushed by liberal misinformation in the city of Ottawa. Pamphlets by the Liberal Party in Ottawa were showing the choice is clear. Sam is the only candidate who can beat the Conservatives in Ottawa, West Nepean. And it shows a poll allegedly claiming that the Liberal Party in this riding has 38% of the vote share, the PCs are in second with 30%, and the NDP is in third with 24%. And surprise, surprise, the polls were wrong. NDP candidate Chandra Pasma was elected with exactly 37% of the vote. The PCs came in fairly close second place with 34.8% of the vote. The Libs a distant third with 22.7%. So, you know, that pamphlet was not correct at all, which very much accounts for, you know, lying or misinformation on some level. Wouldn't you agree? But again, folks, it's worth repeating. Poll after poll suggested that this riding was somehow a really close race between the libs and the pcs hell even 338 canada said that the ndp had a one percent chance of winning ottawa west nepean so you know maybe all these different places that are clearly pushing for a liberal result shouldn't really be listened to but if this is going to continue and spoiler alert it is and it will then that doesn't fundamentally solve any of the real problems with our democracy forcing you know 90 plus percent of the population to vote in ontario doesn't address voter apathy it doesn't address this blatant misinformation campaigns by a variety of like polling sites and organizations it doesn't fundamentally address the actual elephant in the room so now it's time we talk about the proverbial political elephant in the room, which is why is this suddenly becoming a discussion now? 
why wasn't this being pushed for by the Liberal Party of Ontario and others, say, back in 2018, when again we had a previously historic low turnout of 48%, meaning less than 50% of eligible voters voted in the last election, and then that was even more disturbingly lower this time around. So why wasn't it talked about in the previous provincial election? Because the dirty secret of the Liberal Party of Ontario is that they always see themselves as the government in waiting. And so because of 2018, where they were relegated to third party status, they figured, oh, well, you know what? It's probably just like what happened uh, with the Liberal Party in the 2011 election. And then we saw in 2015, Justin Trudeau came roaring back in with a solid majority. So, you know, that was an aberration. We don't really need to worry about it. We know how this province works. Uh, we just really want to stop the NDP from getting in because we can at least kind of deal with the other neoliberal party which is the pc party the conservative party right and so they thought that this would just be an aberration and maybe if they didn't win they'd at least be returned to official opposition which is why the liberal party focused so much on the ndp and it's why so many of those strategic voting sites were really just a form of liberal misinformation campaign that tried to detract votes from the ndp at the chance, for them anyway, of restoring the Liberal Party to official party status in the province. So on the surface, that's the main reason why it's being talked about now, including by a former Liberal Federal MP and former Minister of the Environment. But what's also worth mentioning is something else that I've seen plenty of comrades online gleefully point out. Mandatory voting is the word on the lips of every blue check fixer for the owning class this morning. And why? Because horrendously low voter turnout embarrasses them and exposes the illegitimacy of the system. So they blame the non-voters and say they should be punished. And yeah, that's really what it is. If people aren't feeling very encouraged to vote because the parties aren't really offering them anything of substance, parties aren't making connections with the voting populace, with the electorate, right? Then that's really on the parties, less so on the individuals who, again, under a democracy and under the ideas of freedom, People should be allowed to not participate in a democracy if they don't want to. That's obviously a very dangerous and unfortunate thing, but that should be a right afforded to people. And that's why parties should actually work towards earning their vote rather than just demanding it through mandatory voting that again, wouldn't address the problems of voter apathy, voter misinformation, and also parties in polling places gleefully sharing misinformation. That does not get solved simply by forcing more people to vote. Mandatory voting isn't a good idea in my opinion. People will vote maliciously as you're forcing them to. It's bad enough some people vote while knowing nothing about what they're voting for, but having over 50% of the population doing that? We simply need a better electoral system. I agree, but make debates mandatory. All ridings, all candidates. You don't show up to a debate, you get dropped from the ballot. Questions submitted by constituents, televised locally. I'm not sure I agree with all of that, but there's definitely some more ideas that are worth exploring there. And it should be a thing that people should be locally engaged with their local candidates, not just in terms of them as individuals that would represent their communities, but also what their parties stand for and how that would play into a larger provincial or national sphere. So yeah, there should be more focus and attention on that rather than strictly on just polling, which as we've seen can be very poorly quantified. And again, lots of comrades were rightfully pointing out the flaws behind the idea of mandatory voting. 
Yes, the problem with democracy isn't the lack of choices that speak to voters' interests, it's that people aren't forced to participate in it. Liberals will turn themselves into pretzels and propose ridiculous ideas like party mergers and mandatory voting before admitting that first-past-the-post is a disaster that produces low engagement and hands disproportionate power to the wrong kind of people. Mandatory voting lets politicians and parties off the hook. It's a complete inversion of the proper order of responsibility in politics. It is up to those campaigning to earn people's votes. Mandatory voting would falsely legitimize the political class. There is absolutely something wrong with compelling people to participate in a liberal democracy for the mere appearance of its function. When people do not want to participate in that system, it invalidates it. Being insistent that it is perfect and must be accepted is wrong. Mandatory voting is a bullshit idea. It's called democracy. That to me says you're entitled to a vote or lack thereof without force. Want people to vote? Push your party not to suck. OLP and ONDP shit the bed. Make them do better. In 2026, they need to run to win. And I feel like that last one really just says it all and encapsulates the whole problem laid bare. No party or individual is entitled to your vote, nor should they be. The campaigns from the NDP and the libs in this province were spectacularly lackluster and lacking any kind of real drive and energy. Like it did not connect with people at all. I know so many people who were volunteers that just kind of felt like, what, what are we doing here? What is going on? Like, where's, where's the fire? Where's the energy? Where's the passion addressing all the very real things that you could openly and directly criticize and blame Ford for? There was none of that. They spent more time bickering and fighting with each other because again, the real plan all along for the Liberals was to try and supplant the NDP as the official opposition so that they could then be the government in waiting. Now that that hasn't happened, now the tune is changing towards mandatory voting in the hope that that means more people will just vote for them and that overcomes voter apathy somehow. So in summation, no, mandatory voting is not a good idea. I understand its appeal. And there is something to be said for just having a fairly high voter turnout so that there is, at the very least, even if you don't like the results, a bit more of a representative democracy. But it still isn't actually that representative. People will vote out of spite. People will still vote while being ridiculously uninformed and thinking that there should be American candidates on the ballot. People will vote based on whatever misleading poll or projection from a strategic voting place told them to, which ultimately may actually harm the actual intended strategic vote. And so sure, a majority of people could vote, but because of all these various other factors, it's still not actually a representative democracy given the fact that we are a multi-party democracy. If you wanted people to actually show up and vote, the solutions are actually pretty simple. Make election day, wherever, whether it's provincially or federally, make it a holiday for that day. And on top of that, you should have proportional representation so that people can choose their preferred candidate, but they can also choose their preferred party. This also gives a more broad across the country, whether it's urban or rural, Northern or Southern, Eastern or Western, it gives a broader sense of appeal 
that people can feel represented in some capacity. And as I pointed out in a previous video, this benefits all parties. So sure, even though the conservatives may absolutely dominate in the prairies and rural Ontario, you would also have under a proportional representation system, liberal NDP and green voices from these areas also brought up to the national level. And on top of that, people may say, well, you know what? I know my preferred candidate didn't win and that's unfortunate, but at least, you know, the consolation is we're going to at least get however many percentage of the seats as we got a percentage of the vote nationally. So say the green party got 10% of the vote nationally, they would get 10% of the seats. And that's actually better for representative democracy. And that would force more people to go out there because they think, oh, well, you know, maybe there's a chance we can improve upon that. And then last, but certainly not least, the parties themselves should make themselves worthy of someone's vote. If people don't feel inspired, if they can't connect to what a party is trying to promote or sell them or try and push as policy, if they aren't making those connections, then that party doesn't actually deserve that vote. That party then needs to do the work to realize, hmm, what happened here? And then actually work to fix that and address that and connect with people and inspire them again. That is far healthier for democracy than simply compelling people to vote while refusing to address the very core problems with our system. And the fact that a great many people in this province, nay, this country don't realize that is definitely what's bothering me today.